He just like walked down. He's like, "What's up, man?" And I was like, "Oh, that's just been a um, shark attack, Bruce." And he was just like, "Fuck this shit! I'm going home and smoking bongs." He's like, "This, this town's cursed." So when it breaks, so loads of guys just put on a head, me included, and it's just like you just put on blinkers, <laughs> just like become a little ruthless. Welcome to The Drop. My name is Danny Johnson and this episode we have the great, the mighty Mick Fanning to talk Kira, crowds and how not to be a whinging fuckwit in the surf. I also spoke to Sean Manners about the new Rage film we've just released on Stab Premium, Blood, Sweat and Beers, The Story of Rage. We started our chat there and then we went a little everywhere we spoke about partying too much contracts surfing and the and the fatal shark attack that sean saw happen live which was horrifying uh what else did we talk about religion losing your mind in surf news this week stab announced the next electric acid surfboard test film that will be starring the hose not one not two, not three, but three hoes. Coco, Mason, and Michael Ho, the greatest, most stoke-inducing family that's ever existed, writing all kinds of experimental designs on Mexican points. It's being filmed right now and will almost certainly be the most stoke-inducing film that's ever been made. So if you're feeling down at the moment, just hang in there for a little while because the antidote to all your sadness is currently in production. You might have seen the news about the hose, electric acid on stabmag.com, but what hasn't been announced yet is we're also simultaneously filming an electric acid surfboard test with the bald guy, the star of black and white, the youngest to do everything as well as the oldest to do everything, who, who actually has the, he's the owner of almost every record that exists in competitive surfing. He's John John Florence's mum's neighbour. And we've started filming with Kelly and we had him surfing electric acid surfboards in Hawaii prior to his recent injury and the show will go on. It'll probably go, go on around the world as some type of touring surfboard circus because Kelly's an enigma and uh, this project, project will just follow uh, his mood and, and wherever he ends up, we'll, we'll have surfboards there for him to ride. So the release date of the electric acid surfboard test starring Kelly is unknown, but what we do know is that whenever it is, it'll be worth a wait because it's Kelly and no one talks about surfboards like he does. Probably because no one cares as much as Kelly. But here is a little sneak peek of, of Kelly analyzing one of the boards. You ever try to make, you ever make air, paper airplanes? Yeah. The more complex you make a paper airplane, the worse it works. I always used to try to do all these things and how can I make some cool looking thing? You just make the basic one, you throw it and it goes the furthest, you know? And there, there is something to keep it simple, stupid, you know? It's, um, I think we can over-design. Like this thing, I like a lot of the aspects in this board individual aspects of it but overall after my surf yesterday i was struggling to to like the whole experience i like parts of it kai lenny friend of the show kai lenny kai was actually on this very podcast about eight episodes back and he did end the conversation with a let's chat again soon or 
chat anytime or, or something of that nature and I will take you up on that, Kai. I don't think I won't take your exit greeting literally. Your number has been moved to favourites in my iPhone contacts. Anyway, anyway, the reason I'm bringing up Kai Lenny is that he has recently done the opposite of what he's known for and gone to Waco, Texas to work on his small wave game. He looked impressive in the pool with a with his small wave air game that was much better than I expected and it really highlighted just how good the Waco pool is, in particular the air section there. That I could, uh, you know, settle my legs for when I go back to the air. Go for the air? Aerial? Air section. You want that on the right or the left? Right. Other wave pool technology seems to range from novelty experiences to really fun, but there isn't a pool that professional surfers frequent more to work on their surfing than the very inconveniently located Waco pool. Kelly's pool is obviously a spectacle and it looks incredibly fun, but surfers aren't seeking it out in the way they are Waco. It's the same with wave pools like Urban Surf, which are great and look like maybe the most fun you can have in a day, but it it bends away from you and it's a little harder to ride and it it doesn't compare to Waco when it comes to the potential to develop and, and push performance surfing and innovation. The world's best hi-fi surfers regularly show up at Waco with goals and objectives to work on different parts of their surfing. And I think the, the success of that wave from this perspective is something that is just so obvious when you think about the amount of never been done airs and, and maneuvers that have happened there or even just remarkable clips that have been gathered there at Waco. And, and of course, that is in no small part due to the Stab High events that have been run in that pool. Speaking of Stab High, another announcement I have for you this week is that we are currently working on another Stab High event. The next iteration will be another ocean-based event similar to the previous Stab High that was held in the Mentawise. This next version will be held in Costa Rica, and it will feature an international cast of, of high flyers. So stay tuned for more information on that. Kira pumped during the week with just endless rifling right-hand barrels that were doubling up and, and spitting three or four times as they rolled down that world-famous Gold Coast Point. One of the highlights was Mitch Parkinson's long barrel that I'm sure you have seen if you were anywhere near the internet in recent days, uh, Mitch had a long barrel where he was dropped in on by some anonymous donkey, yet he still managed to squeak out straight. Even though he made it, because he was dropped in on, he, he missed the entire next section in what would have been uh, one, of the, one of the best barrels that's ever been documented at Kira. It was actually... Great, the drop dropper in didn't get named and shamed online. A lot of people were asking for his name, but doxing him in any way, it's just not it's just not the best way to to deal with these situations. It's it's horrifying the amount of online hate that can be thrown at someone. And I mean, who knows how many times Mitch has actually uh, dropped in on this guy. So we don't know the whole story. But what we do know is that Mitch was actually called out by many people for the fact that he, in order to catch that wave, that now famous wave, actually burnt, burnt someone further up the point. 
A lot of feature, a lot of footage of Mitch's barrel only showed Mitch getting dropped in on at the end, and they didn't show him committing the same surf crime earlier on the wave. So there was a lot of buzz around this. So I reached out to Mitch so that he could make his case on the podcast, but no reply on the text and no answer on the phone call, which is disappointing, but probably the smartest move you can make in any type of crisis management situation, if that's what this is, if this is a crisis, you just to stay silent, ignore and let it just go away with time seems to be the smartest thing you can do because putting yourself out there to have your quotes torn apart is, it might be the dumbest thing you can do in these types of situations. Look at what Kate Moss did when she had all those photos of her doing cocaine at a party uh, circulated around the world. What did she do? Nothing. And it went away. Well, it kind of went away. She, she'll probably always be known as a massive cokehead now. I'll cokey Kate, but what she didn't do was make it worse by trying to justify it. Regardless of Mitch Parkinson's tactful PR techniques, the other question from all these sessions was, was this the best Kira ever? Plenty of people were saying it and, and some credible heads were saying it too. People like filmmaker Justin Gain, who has been filming Kira for decades, said it's, it's up there with the best he's seen. So... Who better to answer that question than the very measured and intelligent man, Mr. Michael Fanning? Of course, the Newcastle event is still currently underway as I'm recording this. So when I spoke to Mick moments earlier, Julian had just defeated Jack Robinson in that close and dramatic heat. It ended with Jack receiving an interference on the buzzer and Mick was watching the following heat as we chatted that just so happened to be one of the biggest upsets we've seen in recent history. Mixed mate and to a rookie, Newcastle local Morgan Sibilic took down John John Florence. So you'll notice at times Mick loses concentration when Morgan gets a good one during our chat. Sort of hypothesizing about a bit of a rivalry showing up between Julian, Julian and Jack because they surfed off at the Tweed Coast Pro and Jack got Julian mm. on the buzzer and then they they surfed again against each other at, at Pipeline and Jack got him again there and then they've surfed twice against each other in this contest and for it to come down to the right down to the buzzer and there to be an interference it's just I feel like these guys have just got a, a rivalry just budding at the moment what do you think? Yeah well it's it's um, what happens is when you have someone that beats you two times in a row, then the person who who loses it just starts bubbling. <laughs> and um, knowing knowing Jules, he wasn't letting that um, going to let that you know happen a third time. Um, you know, even though Tweed Coast Pro didn't really have much um, pressure on it or anything like that, um, it's still it's still something that bubbles up. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, there's it's definitely a little bit of a bubble there. I'm just watching Morgs going, Morgs. <laughs> oh, you just ripped the shit out of it. Finish it, finish it. I can't see it right now. How'd he go? Yeah, he's probably, he's in the lead. He'd be in the lead. He can barely fucking walk, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I didn't think that Jack was getting the score anyway in that way. But um, yeah, it just it just shows like he sort of exposed Jack just then with that last move. Um, being a rookie, you know. Let's talk about let's talk about Kira. So the internet went a little crazy yesterday when when some of those waves <laughs> showed up on online. What was it like out there? And was it the best Kira ever? Like a lot of people are saying. Oh, mate, every time it breaks, so everyone says best Kira ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, look, it was it was pretty nice. Um, to to be real honest, I actually got out there late. I was, I was with the family. I didn't see any of those waves when I was out there. Um, and yeah, to come in and see those things, I was like, holy shit, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, look looked pretty nice. It just sort of just all just sort of came together. All came together like within the space of a couple of hours. And then yeah, to see those waves. Like it, I don't know what happened, the angle and, and the bank right now all just came together perfectly. Like early earlier that morning it was pretty broken up and then um, day before was broken up. So, um, yeah, it was just one of those freak few hours where it all just came together and, and those boys are always onto it. So, um, yeah, they, they got it. And, yeah, I missed it. Yeah, I didn't miss it as much as Parker. <laughs> oh, no. Is it, is it, oh, shit. Did you, did you speak yeah. to him? Was he, was he fuming? I, actually, I was talking to him. Um, as he was jumping on the plane, he's like, can you go check your, I think it's really good. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just taking me to lunch. And then I got a text off um, Mark Matthews saying it was pretty damn good. And so I just ran down, but yeah, I, I got there late. <laughs> oh shit. And I heard some reports that getting a wave out there was close to impossible uh, if you were just the average punter. What's, can you give me an idea of just from a stats point of view, if you surf for a couple of hours or, or how many waves you caught in that hour and, and, and what it's like, you know, trying to negotiate the crowd out there? Well, it's, it's sort of, it's like this. It, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, you've got a wave that breaks very rarely and it's like the jewel of, you know, it was the jewel of the world there for a while. Um, and so when it breaks, the local guys just put on a head, me included, and it's just like, you just put on blinkers. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so you sort of, you sort of become, um, you become a little ruthless. Um, but it's, only, you know, I guess, you know, if you, it's like if, if pipeline turns on, you know, you're not going to be stealing waves off local guys. And then there's the, the in-betweeners. Um, and, and then add on top of that Easter holidays, um, you know, nowhere else is really working. Yeah. It's a, it's a circus. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, it was actually really interesting. Some of the de- debate that's been raging online about Mitch Parker's barrel, because he was in one, one of the, one of the better oh, barrels that's ever happened to Kira. I don't know if you'd agree with that. It doesn't sound like you'd want to yeah. say best Kira ever, but was that one of the best barrels you've seen out there? Mate, that thing was so dreamy, wasn't it? Um, yeah, far out. He, yeah, he could have just kept going and going and going. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was definitely one of the better ones. Like that's one of the ones that he would put in his highlight reel when he um, hangs up the dudes. 
Yeah. And, and he actually got dropped in on, which just enraged everyone because we could all just imagine him flowing through that next section, which looked completely makeable given how fast he was going and how far he'd come already. And then the debate kind of flicked the other way. Someone, a photographer posted online that he actually dropped in on someone at the start of that wave. And so like, he can't get angry at this guy. Yeah. So I guess like, given what you stated though about the localism, it, it seems like... Well, he actually dropped in on a, on a local guy too, but... Um, <laughs> oh, <no. yeah. laughs> it's, it's, um, yeah, look, it, it's one of those ones. The guy that he dropped in on, was he going to make it that far? Probably not. Um, but, you know, he got bowed and, yeah, I guess, I guess the bad thing was... The guy who dropped in on him, he, he just jumped off. <laughs> it was all like, no, you got to go barrel, mate. <laughs> Could have yeah. got the wave of your life if you're gonna, if you're gonna, um, if you're gonna, if you're gonna wheel it up for someone. Make sure you, uh, make sure you do do the right thing and get barrel. Yeah, like Mitch <laughs> did. He might have dropped in on someone, but at least he got a seven second funnel or whatever it was. But yeah, exactly, um, mate. It's just, it, you know, the, the the hard thing up here is that there's just so many people. And like as I said before, like it's it's ruthless. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah, people online can debate here and there, but if they're not in the lineup, it's sort of um, you you don't really know. Um, and as I said before, like everyone waits for this wave, the like all year round, um, and. Uh, Holy shit, Morgan just went absolute to town on the way. It is what it is. Um, you know, are people going to get in fights and stuff over it? Maybe they might have words and stuff like that, but you, you can't really do anything. It's just, and you can't really govern it either because it's just, there's just too many people. Yeah, and there's too many variables like who's local, who's not, ability. Like watching that guy just wobble down the face and ruin Mitch's next section was was so heartbreaking. And I think what you said about comparing it to pipeline is the best analogy because no one even second guesses the localism that, that happens out there for a second. And mm. there's no reason why uh, it, it should be looked at any differently when it comes to Kira. I'd love to know, what's the, what's the, the biggest moment of carnage you've ever seen out there? Has there been something that stands out where you're just like, holy shit, like a, 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 either a brawl or a punch up or... Because I know, I know um, Mitch sent that guy in, but I don't think he, I don't think he was going to... Um, you know, um, get physical look, with him. Um, it, for, for me personally, I can only speak on my own behalf. And like, if I'm put in danger, that's when I get upset. Yeah. Um, but if yeah, you move away, there's another one coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of more. If I get put in danger, then that's scary. Yeah, it is what it is. It's like, as I said, people try to learn how to surf out there. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, like people don't try and go and learn how to surf out pipeline. So it's sort of, it's a little different. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's just more, more up to the person with, um, more up to the person who's paddling out and going, is, is this past my ability? You know, that's, yep. that's what it is. Yeah, and you've always had such a good mindset and, and and aging 
surface, not to say you're aging, but as we, as we grow older, it's just so typical for probably somewhere up around like 80% of surfers to get really eggy. And, and I think there's a bit of a, um, there's that saying you either get, as you age, you either get bitter or better. And you're definitely in that other 20% where you, you seem to, to never actually be rattled by anything and always seem to be excited to surf and, and, and never in that bitter camp. What do, what do you put that down to? I look at it like this. If I, if I got bitter over the crowd, then I leave. You know? Yeah. I go, I go out there, given I, I you know, I, I'm one of the lucky ones and I get, I get a lot of words. I won't, won't not say that, but I go out there knowing it's crowded. So I make a point of like, I'm not going to get rattled by the crowd because I'm paddling out into a crowded lineup. Um, you know, if, if it's and and so it's like well, if if I did get upset, then um, then I'll just move. Yeah, <laughs> it's simple as that. But I think you know, like even 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 beyond that though, because there's so many surfers that have really high status in the lineup and can get a lot of waves, but they still like they still tend to get eggy. And I would I would guess that. I don't know if it's, I mean, you've been through a lot of hardship in your life. I don't know if there's something that feeds into your perspective that's bigger than surfing itself, but I just think it's, it's, it's really refreshing and it's worth talking about the fact that you aren't kind of like bitter, you know, and obviously you get a lot of waves, so you're in an advantage there. But I think, I feel like there's something, uh, I think that there's more going on there. People, you know, I guess some people get bitter because they're rushing home from work and stuff like that. But mate, you you get to go and play in the ocean. It's it's you should feel better for going and playing in the ocean. You shouldn't get upset because like there's people around here that just blow up about the crowd and they've been saying the same thing for the last ten, fifteen years. It's not gonna get any better. It's only gonna get worse. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> why worry about it? <laughs> yeah. That's that's really true. And, and so, Kira, like you said, it, people wait for it and it turns on and it gets magical. And this wasn't – this is pretty brown water, Kira. It wasn't like the postcard blue water sort of stuff. But why is Kira – Kira, like what do, you, what do you love about Kira? It's – look, it's just the, the barrel is just so intense. It's, um, it's fast, it's, it's thick and – um, it's just moving so quick. It's, for me, it's, it's, yeah, it's my favorite way because you can go as fast as you possibly can and you're still going to get outrun. But then every now and then you might make that one. And that's what it is. It's, it's like, it's the crown jewel of, of fast, long tubes. And other than the crowd, is it, what do you not like about Cura? Um, Oh, crowd doesn't bother me to be honest. <laughs> um, no, look, I guess the the probably the, the the bad thing about Kira is like I wish they never messed with the grinds um, because back in the day Kira used to be so much more um, so much more consistent and just uh, I don't know I felt like it was a better way and just. It was, I don't know, it was just more fun. So that's the only thing I don't like about Kira is that it's not the same as it was growing up. 
Yeah. And so can you just give people a really brief history? Because Kira is actually a man more, man-made wave. It's not something that existed. I think, I think it was, was it in the seventies when it first, when they first started rearranging the coastline there? Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a natural point break. Um, and it used to hug the rocks a little bit closer. And then they made the groin, uh, the two groins, the big groin and the, and the small groin and made the wave actually longer. Because uh, it gave a little bit more sort of angle on it, um, and and so yeah, and then they shortened the groin um, to try and get more sand along the beach at Kira, and and it just I don't know, I just messed with it, and then with the superbank, all the sand coming down, um, filled in the reef there, and and just moved the bank off. It's, original um original setting um so it's yeah it's you've got to have everything pre-lined up for it to be um to be good back in the day you could even in tricky swells it would turn come to life you know like the amount of days where i surfed on shore and got fouled was just it was so much fun no one around so much fun no one around so much fun no one around no much fun no one around no Thank you, Mick Fanning. Next up, we have Sean Manners. Sean might be the most underrated free surfer in the world, but amongst his peers, in particular his friends that ride for surfer-owned hardware company Rage, his surfing is heavily acknowledged. In the Rage documentary, Blood, Sweat and Beers, that's currently playing on Stab Premium at the moment, link in episode description, I interviewed Noah Dean and Craig McTaggart and Toby Cregan for the film and a big chunk of what they wanted to talk about is Sean and his surfing, which, which ended up being a, an entire section of the documentary. And Toby Cregan comes up a lot in our chat. Toby is a surf filmmaker and one of the co-founders of Rage, as well as a, a member of the really successful band Skeggs. And he actually just lives five houses down from me on the same street and I've known Toby for a long time and he actually told me about the current house I'm living in uh, when it became available and becoming his neighbor was just too good of an opportunity to turn down because he, he's probably the, one of the funniest humans alive. So I, I moved in and Sean doesn't really live anywhere. He, he just bounces from Western Australia to the East Coast. He owns a big four-wheel drive that he sleeps in, but he's staying at Toby's at the moment. So uh, a couple of afternoons ago, he walked over to my place and we uh, sat down and I started quizzing him about his life. Are you still playing with Noah? Yeah, we're going to, yeah, we still play. I don't think we're going to do it. I don't know. It's too hard with everyone just to try and um, be productive or consistent with it. It just happens when it happens, yeah. So you, so Noah started Blister and then Bug joined. He's playing, yeah, he, Bug he plays drums, drums and then. And then when Noah was filming for Are You, or the one way to the big alley oop, he stayed at my mum's house and I was playing guitar and I was like, oh, and he was like, you should play. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever because I just love Danny. And then, yeah, we just started, he just taught me heaps of stuff and, Record some songs and made some songs. So he he actually got you. He got me. He gave me the confidence to be able to do stuff for sure. Really? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Because playing music's probably the ballsiest thing you can do. Yeah. Like in terms of being vulnerable and actually putting yourself out there and yeah, writing shit for sure. 
Yeah, and it's so hard. Like it's so hard not to be like write something that's just dumb, even though most <laughs> of the time it is dumb. But like, or like try and like hit a realm of like some. I don't know. But he was just like, you know how Noah is. He's he's just so um, passionate about anything he does, and that kind of just got me psyched. And then he was like passionate on this. He was like, "Well, the stuff you're playing sick," and he was like, "We can do this." And then he just kind of started this back and forth. For a bit, it was yeah, sick. right. Yeah, and actually gave you the confidence to yeah, I don't know, for sure, write and record shit. Yeah, he would always like push. He'd be like always try and push for me to sing when we play live and stuff. And I don't know how to sing and shit. And like, but he's I don't either do I. And like, who cares? And I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, he's got this like fucked up creative intelligence and this like and this self assuredness. I just remember meeting him when he was I think he was like he wasn't even eighteen yet, and he. I was just like, fuck, this little prick's like intimidating because he's, yeah. he's so opinionated. He knows he, what he wants. And he knows what yeah, he wants yeah. in a way that like, you rarely meet. Yeah, you don't. You rarely just meet someone who's that self-assured when they're that I was young. so intimidated by him when I was younger. Right? I was like, whoa. And I, he was never like rude to me or anything. But like, I would just be like, whoa, like Noah. Like, whoa. He just seems so set in what he wants to do. And mm. I guess that's like a, a cool thing to um, learn from, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, whoa. Like. You can just want something and you can just do it. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. He's, yeah, he's pretty inspiring like that. So, um, hey, this, this Rage film that we just put out was originally just going to be like a couple minutes because all we wanted to do was talk about your air because everyone, you did that air and everyone was like, that's the biggest air that's ever been <laughs> yeah. done. And then I, um, I hit Creed and Noah up to talk about it. I didn't want to hit you up because, yeah, you know, been weird. it can be fucking creepy yeah, talking about yeah, yourself or whatever. Yeah, so, and, sure. then, and then I got Tobes involved and we ended up just chatting about rage and uh, I don't know, you came up yeah. a fair bit in it and had a big chunk in it. But before we talk about that, just talking about that air that got this thing, this mm. whole thing started, like talk to me about, tell me the story of that air basically. Um, yeah, it's funny we... We hadn't started filming for Rage Three yet. It was uh, it was around, I think the, we started filming for Rage Three on the boat trip was around March. So this might have been like February, or something. And I just flew to West Oz. I think I'd been there for a couple of weeks, and there was like about four days of this wa- of that wave just cooking. And it wasn't cooking; it was like onshore and like six foot, and that's when it's best for airs. And I could see on the chart. I was like, oh. There's like four days of this. I was like, got to get something. And I've just been so hyped ever since Noah did that air. And I was like, I had this ego about the wave being my hometown and stuff. And I was like, I got to like do something out here. Like fucking Geordie Smith's done bigger airs than me out here, which is pretty easy to believe. He's an amazing surfer. But my ego was just telling me, it was like, go. And I think Tom Jenner, who usually films, was out of town. And I was just filming with a few random, not random, mates that just don't film that much. And... I had like four days of solid surf out there where I was getting, I started getting a little bit higher than I usually did. And I was like, oh, shit. Like I felt like it was up there with the Noah height and the Geordie height and John John. And, and were you sticking them or were you just I was just getting like, really close and like yeah. splattering and like I'd come in and a mate was filming. He was like, oh, that one was big. And I was like, fuck, that was like a big one, like so close. And don't even think I watched the footage of the ones I didn't make or anything. No one was showing me any footage. And then it was the last day. Pulled up in the car park midday. My mate Rex was filming and he just films bodyboarders and stuff, or usually, and he's a good bodyboarder himself. And I was like, let's just post up. He was like, yeah, post up. There's a bloke filming from water and he packed up on me. And I was like, shit, like, that's bad. Like, don't pack up on me. Like, 
you know, because I think something's coming. And surf for like four hours and got close in a couple. And the last hour I didn't catch a wave. It, after work crew came out and it just started getting packed. And when, usually you got all day to do airs out there. And then, you know, as soon as a couple people come out, people start driving down the hill and they're like, oh, it's barreling. Like, we're going to go out there and try to get tubed. So all these people come out and they just try and get tubed on their longboards and it's not even tubing. And you're just like, fuck, like, I just need this and one ramp. And they're taking off deeper. They're taking so off deeper because yeah. you're sitting on the end bit and, like, you're just trying to catch as many as you can because every wave has it on it, you know. You could do it on any wave out there. Um, sun was going down and I was just like, fuck this, I want to go in. I'm going in. So I was paddled from where I was sitting out the back and I was paddled in. My mate was like, where are you going? I was like, I'm fucking over this. This is bullshit. I can't get a wave. Just having a little hissy fit. And this one little wave came. I think in the clip you can see I burned someone. Yeah, you faded this guy. He's a goofy foot of straight. Pulled yeah. straight. And like he just was on the little bit deeper bit. I knew he wasn't going to get around it because that's what that wave does. And I just took off and I was like, fuck this. I'm going to just try and send it. Oh, I'm not even trying to send it. I was like, just give me a ramp. And I just hit it. I don't even know what happened. It just launched. And I was just like, whoa. And I was just... Everything felt good. I was style and everything. I was over it. And I was just like, please, the God land. And I did it over one of my friends. I like seen his face and I was like, boom, looking at him. I was like, damn right, motherfucker. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like, fuck you. And the, Have like, you got to be like that pissed off kind of to yeah, do any of that Yeah, because I think Noah was a similar story. He hadn't caught away for like an hour and a half out there. And he was like, fuck this, I'm going in. And then next thing you know, he does like an ankle right. breaker, you know. Yeah, so he on he broke his ankle and snapped his, and his board. Yeah. Even though he rode out. Yeah, yeah he's That's crazy. Yeah. And then anyway, so I, the same frustration was going through my head. But I wasn't even, I was, didn't even think I was going to land anything. I was like, I've missed it. Four days of pumping airs, didn't get one air. This is fucked. Took off, did the air, and I was coming down, and I was like, wow, this feels insanely high. Landed, and I was like, it was the most smooth landing e ever had. I just I was like, boom, and I just kind of came out my hands up. I was like, whoa, sick. And I remember the wave before this old boy got like a, he took off, and he kind of looked like James Caddo or something, like real skinny on this like 7.4, and he like took off, just made the takeoff, and like had these funky hands in the tube. And he was like, whoa, and I was like, fuck, that was cool. Like, that looked sick, and I did the air after his wave and like I was hopping across the channel towards him and I was so psyched. I was like, your wave was amazing, man. And he was like, no, your wave was way sicker. <laughs> he was like, you're fucking flying. And I was like, I felt pretty sick. But when I came in, I, I asked, I ran to Rex and I was like, he'd already packed up and I was like, oh, like, you get that last one? He's like, yeah, I think so. And I was like, can I have a look? He's like, I've already packed up. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> no worries. I'll just sit on it then. And then I went home. I stopped in at my dad's house and um, I was like, Dad, I did this air. He's like, we got to get the footage. And I was like, yeah, I'm hitting up Rex now. And he's like, he's like yeah, I'm at the um, Quarimup pub. Like, and I was like, oh, shit, he's probably going to be there for a couple of days. <laughs> 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 I think he was just on a bit of a bender for like four days. It might have been like, I didn't see the clip until I got back from the Bodhi. And then we got, we're in Jakarta and then he sent the clip through. And someone had, sent me, someone had sent me a message a couple of days before I seen it and they're like, oh, I think you're going to be pretty psyched on it. And I was like, oh, so it mustn't have been that big then. And I don't know, I, when I seen it, I was like, oh, sweet. Like, it was so as like, big as you remembered. I was, yeah, and I was like, oh, the angle was kind of killing it and my head's getting chopped out of it. But Noah, was, Noah just rang me back up. He was like, no, I can't, mate. It's psycho. I actually reckon it's better because 
you, you go so high that you, and it's so pulled back too. Yeah. I, I remember him telling me he cut my head out of it. And I was like, how the fuck did he cut my head out of it mm. when it's that pulled back? Yeah. Right. It means <laughs> you just got so, you went fucking out of screen. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is like, it's not until you slow it down that you actually realize, realize yeah. how fucking huge it is. Yeah, it's it's a weird angle how it, mm. how it, you can, and it's such a seamless air. Not blown. It's just what happened. I didn't even yeah. feel like I did it, but like it, the way the footage looks, it's just like up and down. It's almost like too perfect for it to look like it's big or something, mm. you know? Yeah, like, no, that's another aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, it's just like up and down. It's done, you know? Like, well, so I first heard about it before I'd even seen um, Rage Three, or before Rage Three come out. Everyone's yeah. going, oh, this is the biggest air ever. Like, and <laughs> and then now it's out there. It just got sent online the other day. It's floating around, yeah. Floating around and like, and, there, and there's plenty of people that are saying that. Like, what's your take? Like, is that the, I mean, it's definitely the biggest straight air ever done. I don't know. I just, I don't think I've ever seen anyone do a, a bigger one. And Especially like, on a proper wave. That too. wave's pretty solid too. I saw it's Name one motherfucker. <laughs> nah, I reckon, I reckon it's probably the biggest. It's unbelievable. It's so big. It's crazy. That your it's, one was big too though. Yeah, but that one was bigger, I swear. It's fucking Should measure them up, like. Oh. <laughs> well, because I still think Noah's is, was a bigger and cooler air. I don't think you're ever gonna like your own shit. Mm. I'm proud of myself for doing it and whatever, but I definitely don't want to sit on that for the rest of my life and be like, "Yo, this is all I did." You want to do know? a bigger one? Yeah, I want to do something different. Yeah, for sure. And not, I don't want to do it out there. I mean, I'll do it out there again, but if you seek to do a big left air or yeah, just I like doing. I, I think now I like pushing myself for that feeling or whatever of just doing something ridiculous, you know? Mm. I think I, I, I'm like never going to be a competitive surfer who can like string together th three turns or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll surf for a week straight and get something cool. Yeah, well, fuck. It's, I mean, it's, it'd be good to do it once somewhere else, but just given the track record of that place, like you're yeah. there, Geordie's yeah. there, Noah's there, it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty insane ramp. It feels feels good to be in, there, in the mix. In the mix yeah, of like yeah. the biggest air sure. there, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. And then Toby said a lot of like really nice things about yeah, that was you weird. In the <laughs> <laughs> I just think Trini's dropped so many crazy clips in the last couple years. Like if you put all of like the, the craziest clips that Sean's got in the last two years, you'd be like, oh, well, that, that's like all together, that's the craziest surfing that's been done. Like almost. he came through with like all of the psychos clips and like easily the best section in the movie, biggest air maybe ever done. So biggest, so yeah. Fuck yeah, Chuni. It'll be like undeniable that, yeah, that he's a real sort of special, special dude. And surfer, like talented surfer. Like that fucking matters. <laughs> <laughs> he also said at one point that he thought, um, you know, you moved, you moved to moved in with Creed and Toby when you were, how old were you? Like 16? 16, 16, I think. 16, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. Something like that. And he said at one point he thought you might just be a bit partied yeah. out and slipping totally. and, and whatever. Totally. It, did you think you were going to burn out at any point? Like were you worried I about will, yourself? I was burned out. Right. Uh, yeah. Because I, I come over after finishing competing whatever, I was just doing the junior series, which is like so chill, but like it just fried me and I was just was having such a shit time surfing and I didn't know, I was like, I remember um, doing 
training with people and being like, I don't, they were like getting ready for like, you know, one day you're going to be out chopes and like there's going to be two of you out there. And I was like, I don't want to fucking do that. <laughs> I remember saying that to Mike McAuliffe. He's a, he's a good server from West Does. And I was like, I don't want to fucking do that, eh? And he was like, well, what are you doing these training for? And I was like, I don't know. Fucking so you were, just, you were just in that junior series program where you, you well, just start doing the comps and everyone goes down that road and then, but you realise that at a certain point. I, I just knew by the time I was 14 that I didn't want to do it and right. I didn't think there was any other way. Mm. And like especially being so close to Credo and Credo's like was so well known in Margaret River and I was still living there at the time. Creed moved away and he'd become this free surfer and like everyone was writing him off, you know, because he's such a talented oh, surfer. Really? Yeah, everyone in the town, like for yeah, a bit. Was like, also Creed won the under 16 Australian titles. Yeah. So his competitive so he's, career he's, was, yeah. was like, he seemed he was like. going to go on tour. Well, you know? tour, yeah. yeah. And um, everyone was writing him off and I was like, oh, that's, if, if it works out, that's fucking way better than competing. Like fucking people. Fuck, I didn't realise that the pressure that. Creed would have been copping from the hometown yeah, around going yeah. being a free surfer. It was the gossip between the, all the parents and shit. Really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like you know, people would like like expect me to be like, yeah, that's a dumb idea to just like you know catch it, go along with it, you know. But yeah. I'd always in my head, I was like, fuck yeah, Creed, oh, that's sick. <laughs> like he what? He just moved to Bali. He's hanging in Changu surfing, like having the hell time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I came over here, I was just done with competing, and I just thought that like I had uh, another year on my contract with Billabong, and I was like, well, Creed's invited me to come stay for two weeks, and I've just moved in with him, and then I guess I started just doing the contest with him. I'm not the contest, doing, doing all the free surfing trips with him, and relax, and, relax, and yeah. we um, just going around Australia and around the world surfing with him, and like being such a I was such a baby and such a little shit and probably just wasn't happy because I didn't know what I was really doing with my life or whatever as far as I, um, I didn't have anything to stand on, you know, like I was just a surfer and he was like, yeah, I'm a free surfer now. I hadn't done anything, you know. So I learned a lot from those years. I guess I was just partying too but I wasn't getting any footage because I, yeah. I was burnt out and surfing. But I was you, still learning, you know, kind of. You were sleeping in the laundry. I was sleeping in the laundry, of, of yeah. that place they used to yeah. have in Byron. yeah. Just partying. Just having a good time. Yeah, I'd just go on tour with everyone. I, I wouldn't even be the roadie. I'd just go and just <laughs> get drunk. And I was like kind of, I swear I built, I built like this version of whoever I am around going out and people just know me from going around. I, n- I never, they're like, Credo, who's this kid? Like, what is he? He's like, oh, he's a surfer. And they're like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I guess I started to like uh, going on surf trips with Noah especially and how, see how hard he ripped because I could never really credo is such an amazing surfer how he flows everything together and he just looks pretty on a wave mm. and like i guess it's so it was so easy for him at that time but something happened when i started surfing with noah where i just was like oh that's cool like he's just he's kind of doing the partying stuff but then he's like bringing that party stuff into the surf in a sense where he's just like let's go you know like, like he's kind of got a reckless approach reckless to, approach yeah. he's just like he's not pulling back and he's not not hitting the ramps you know and I guess maybe watching Cluster too, that was a pivotal moment, seeing Noah surf like that. Where he, he, that was a real, I guess they made it look real fuck you and stuff, but he was surfing real fuck you, you know, like just trying the craziest shit. Yeah. And was there any other moments and, and like in particular like hungover moments where you, you blew it or whatever, you were just like, fuck, I need to like go surfing? Together, get my shit together a bit, yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think that moment happened when it was I got another two-year contract from Billabong because I'd 
you know, I was on the real axis and they were like, I think like the team manager was like, oh, Credo, I'm not sure about Sean. He's not really doing anything. And Creed was like, nah, trust me, like you're going to want to sponsor this kid. So they gave me the same contract again for two more years. Um, and I think I started surfing a bit in that first year, like trying to get a bit of footage together. I can't remember what clips we did, maybe Rage 2 or something. And then it was like, all right, Rage 3 is coming out. we got to make it like as good as Baker 3, you know, like it's number three. And then I was like, fuck. No, actually, sorry, it wasn't Rage 2 that got it started. Blastoid. It was the yeah. last year of... Um, Last year of my contract and I was like, I'm going to get dropped. I need to do something good. So that was the fire that got lit under my ass. And then I just moved to West Oz for eight months and just didn't hang out with anyone, just went surfing. Yeah. And so that was 2018 when Blastoid came yeah. out, the end of 2018. So 2018 you were working your ass off. Yeah, yeah. And you, that was a good year. I remember hearing a, a tale of you during that year where you were doing a bit of work as well and you yeah, went to work with yeah. your mate who's an electrician. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell, tell me that story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, first day of work with my mate Ruben. He's such, he's such a legend. I like owe Blastoid to a bit of him because just getting moments of real life that I'd never caught before. But first day I was running low on money and I think we wanted to go up to Nalu or something. Needed some fuel money or something. Or I just needed some a life check probably more. And he was like, yeah... I'm a Sparky, you can be my labourer. And um, the way he works is he just gets cold out to the farm jobs all around Margaret River and stuff. And he's like, never really knows where he's working. And one day he like picked me up. I was in my high vis and stuff, like had my tools and stuff. <laughs> and he's like, we'll go to the bakery, bottom bakery, we'll get some lunch and then we'll go out there for the day. And he's like, whatever you do, just get like a veggie meal. And I was just like, what? He's like, let's just go veggie today. And I was like, I'll never go veggie. Like, I'm going to be hungry. He's like, trust me, just go veggie today. <laughs> and then anyway, we rock up and then we're working at Abattoir and we're like on the assembly line up above where the cows getting killed and there's like uh, fucking shit getting, like 600 cows we watched die. Oh, I've yeah. never been to, never been to an Abattoir, but it sounds like the it's most the horrific. sounds and the people, I mean, yeah. The stereotypes are kind of spot on there because like everyone looked like they were smoking meth and they're all laughing at us because they're like, ah, they're like, yeah, how's this head? Ha ha ha! Like missing teeth and like sketchy tattoos, and really shaved heads. They look like they hadn't slept in weeks and they're just like, that stinks a little bit, doesn't it? Ha ha ha! Or like one dude was like Ugh. carrying this cow head and he's like, smells good, doesn't it? I was like, oh. And so you just were, were trying to hang from. I was, the hand, yeah, I was handing him tools, just like trying to not look at cows die. The, the process of the how it all works is so fucked up. I mean, yeah. like, I still eat meat and shit, so, you know, I support it, but <laughs> no, I don't want to, you know, like I'm not trying to say I'm a better person. Yeah, well, I think, I think like I don't eat meat, I eat fishies, but I think like what you experienced was factory farming and, yeah. and the brutal the brutal side end, of it. And yeah. side to factory farming. And I yeah. think anyone, even people that eat meat, like even they don't want factory farming. No, I don't like, want that. Yeah. Like it I is, definitely try and buy like grass fed or like try and keep it a bit of humanity in humanity, there. Humanity, but even they lie to you too. And yeah. I mean, I guess you only ha- you have to cut it out if you want to be be able to say that you're a good person in that respect, you know. But mate, we're all fucking up at some point. Yeah, for sure. Way. For but sure. Yeah. It's so hard. And Avatar sounds yeah, it was pretty theory, heavy. man, because they use the hooves, they use the blood. There's there's a blood bucket and Ruben's like he was like, Lucky we're not working in the blood bucket today because like they have to drain the blood out and we have to work on the pump in there. And I'm like, it's this big concrete hole in the ground where this big hose just pours blood from the floor in there. Oh. And then they use the blood to make something. And then like this, the, they use it all, which is kind of 
everything goes into these trucks and stuff, which is kind of good, I guess. There's no waste. That's but, the, that's the, but that's how it works. You know, they're going to try and make money on all of it. Yeah. And so that moment, you were there in the abattoir or that day the of day, working. Yeah. There was a bit of a head check. I was just like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. Like, and then I, I worked with him for a bit, a couple of weeks or a month on and off. And we just, I had a couple other shit experiences where like one bloke was just calling me Daisy Chains. He's Angus, he's a good guy. But he was just like daisy chains and he knew I was a surfer and shit and he was just giving me shit and he like, he cut his hand one day and he, he was the only one with a digger license and we were digging this earth wire from the shed to this guy's house on his farm and like, he's like, oh, my hand's too sore to use the digger and I was like, you fucking serious? And he's like, I was like, fuck, I'll get in the digger and he's like, you don't have a license and he's like, Can you, you just got to shovel it and I was like, fuck up all right, and I just shoveled for a whole day. I mean, it's not that bad, but like for someone who'd never worked before, I was like, yeah. had blisters and shit. I was like, fuck, this guy is a prick. And then Ruben's like, eh, no, this prick, you gotta work with pricks. You know, you're like, you work with pricks and shit. You'd had a couple of fucked experiences working and realized mm. how good surfing was. And, yeah. And decided to make Blast Off as good as it was. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, I was just thought I was gonna get dropped had some life experiences and I was like, oh, I can do whatever the fuck I want for this next year. And Tom Jenna helped me out heaps. You know, he didn't like charge me until the end of it and he paid for most of all his shit off his own back to get to the spots and stuff. And plus he's just a good lad to be on a program with, especially in West Oz. And the best, best filmer in the world. Cinematographer yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, that made it super easy. And he's a bit of a like he's he's someone that actually he sort of fosters careers and helps people. A yeah, lot, he cares like. about people. Yeah, yeah and he, it's more of he like really invests into you. And we we had that's where our friendship. Well, I always knew him, but we got really close that year and have stayed close ever since. Love that guy. Um, but I owe that year a lot to him for sure. Mm. And Blastoid came out and it had you surfing some of the most fucked up waves at, uh, ever, like at Tombstones. And then mm. you, your surfing was not only these incredible, um, ledgy, scary pits that you were making, but it, it had it all. Like, what, what was some of the best feedback you got from, from other surfers about Blastoid? Because um, that, seems, that seems like when you showed up like it was yeah like, for sure fuck, yeah this guy who yeah. everyone you know thought ripped and had a great style but suddenly was, was doing, so serious yeah he was actually doing something that was you'd be like oh that's cool yeah, yeah. um i feel like the tube like definitely took away from the rest of the clip that's one thing <laughs> i felt like i was like oh shit like the first like eight minutes is like no one said anything about because I was like, that was like one of the last clips we got, I think. Yeah. Was that tube. Um, and we had all, everything else. We had all the, all the stuff around home. We had all their little airs and all that. And then we're like, fuck, we just need to end up. And then it was like, the swell was going. And it was a pretty cool trip, that one, how it all worked out. It really felt like I'd like put in the, enough time to be out there. And I just got this confidence from that whole year of, getting a couple of cool barrels and I was starting to build on this confidence. And by the time that wave came, I was just like, I'm like, I fully felt ready, you know? Yeah. And then after that wave, I was had the craziest confidence. And if I still had that now, it would probably be a, the worst thing ever. If I went into like the last year of celebrating with that confidence and if I didn't get put back in my place, it would have been so bad. Was getting put back in your place, was it that same trip when you, the board when the ball hit in my face, face yeah. and ended up fracturing your jaw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was the best blessing in disguise ever. Really? Yeah. Because it, it leveled you a bit? It is, I had to like just chill. Like oh, I, was got, I got scared again and then I was like not, 
didn't feel like the man. Like I felt like the fucking man. Well, you would have felt like you were fucking <laughs> 20 foot tall. Yeah, after that like one. everyone, even people that didn't like me up there were like, <laughs> they were like, fuck, like that was pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, like I know. <laughs> but, yeah, and then when yeah. I hurt myself, I was like, all right, I'm not, I'm not as good as I think I am. Yeah. So, yeah. But you... It's funny to say people out there don't like you. You've been going there since you were super young, right? Like your family's yeah, had a caravan. Yeah, yeah. You must be have at Another, least part-time local status. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I'm not never going to be a local up there, but I'm also nowhere I sit in the lineup. And, yeah. But there's also like a bunch of um, people up there who don't know that they're not local and mm. know where they sit, if that makes sense. Like you're allowed to like have a spot up there if you're going up there a long time, but there's people that like, I live up here now. But I'm like, you're from yelling up, mate. Yeah. And like, no, but I moved to Exmouth. And you're like, um, there's a bunch you of... Be, bunch of yeah. What is that drive, like 15 hours or Yeah, something? it's 13 hours 13 or something. Hours yeah, from yeah. Margaret's? From Margaret's, yeah. And you, how many, you do it like, you've done it like five times a year yeah, or something? For, yeah, when I was young, when I was like, first got my license, I did it like four times yeah. in a year and, you know, we'd go up there. Me and dad went up there for like three months once in the caravan. And just missed and a bunch you've of still school. got that caravan, right? You bought it off your dad. Yeah, he got yeah four hundred bucks or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what do you call it? The Desert Hilton. Oh, uh, Villabon called it that. Yeah, oh, right. I don't call it that. It's just a caravan. But oh, yeah, that, just that like, was their marketing. The campaign. marketing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got sucked in. Yeah, you got sucked in. It's not the Desert Hilton. <laughs> it's not of a blaze cave. <laughs> <laughs> What is it? It's called the Scorpion Pit. Or Scorpion Ridge. Like yeah, that's where like all the old boys. Like, I got some good friends up there. Like my mate Thorny, he's always looked after me up there. He invites me over for fish curries, and then my other mate Brad, who's like, he I don't even know where he's from, but he's just kind of I think he's from Melbourne. Got out of jail, and then he just lives up there. And he like he just think he's just this weird dude. Like sometimes I'd be around someone's fire pit and Brad would walk over and he would start stepping on the fire and he'd be like, what are you doing, Brad? And he's like, these little fairies trying to get me. Oh, my God. And you're like, what's wrong? He's like, I just ate heaps of mushrooms. Oh. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> right, right, cool, cool. But yeah, it's a good vibe up there. It's like a family away from family. Yeah. Because it's the same people in the same spots every year, you know. And so when you smashed your face up, I love that you repped the no tooth look yeah, for a while. For a while yeah. Did you make it out with anyone when you had uh, just uh, tooth missing? I th- yeah, I think I was kind of dating a girl at the time. Well, yeah. Yeah, and I, like, I was like, oh, shit, she's not going to think I'm pretty anymore. <laughs> but it, it didn't. It was sweet. But we were, I think I like after that I, I wasn't really in a relationship. I just kind of left Margaret River. Um, but the, they fixed my tooth when I first did it. They... Filled it up with feeling because the root was exposed. But then the day before I left to drive back over here, I had a sausage roll and it fell out. <laughs> so I was on the nullarbor with one tooth and then I came over here with one tooth and just was repping it. I was like, fuck it, I don't care. I don't think any, I don't think I met any girls with the tooth. <laughs> I don't think, hey, I can't remember. It's a powerful look. Yeah, it was powerful. I wasn't really putting myself out there in a positive way anyway. I was more of just a, I was a blastoid. It's yeah, still, so yeah. that comes back to you when you were when you were partying like a bit of a maniac. Yeah, yeah. Still. yeah. The girls don't like that. I've realised partying. Yeah, they yeah they think you're in, like if you think you're cool talking about partying, they're like, fuck this loser. There's so many of these guys out there. You yeah, know, that's true. Yeah, you know, you're actually Tobe said that you've been off the source for a little while now. Yeah, two and a half weeks. What um what motivated that? Just want to get feeling good again, like yeah. physically, um, just like feeling hungover and just not being able to surf that well is not the best feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really want, now that I've signed a Globe, I really want to prove to them that they made a good decision. 
and I want to. I feel like there's a fire lit under my ass again, and I like that. I, I think I think I'll always go through stages of being motivated and then having like six months off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you got to. If you're gonna do that, you gotta know when it's time to perform, and yeah, and I feel like I need to perform the next two years. Yeah, I think that's what Toby says in the video that Creed's been really good at setting the blueprint for that. Like yeah. he, he might party, but then he'll yeah still um still get clips yeah, and, and make sure. Sure. Tobes Tobes was telling me he's like he's been testing it because he's running a mm-hmm. he thinks yeah, he's running a rehab. rehab. Yeah, yeah. He'll like he'll, he'll ask you to go get a beer and he's got to like make sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't drink it. And just, yeah, yeah, it's easy. <laughs> Not really. He, well, it's a funny time to take some uh, time off the source because you're living with Tobes and he yeah. with his band the Skeggs or not the Skeggs Skeggs. Yeah. Uh, they just got number one album in yeah. Australia, so he's been he's been partying. He's been really letting his hair down. Yeah, I had to leave the house on the weekend. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, went state of Creed because <laughs> <laughs> he was just partying. But it's all right. I don't mind people drinking around me. It's like when it starts looking like they're having fun, and I, I'm just like. Like, oh, well, I'm not drunk and, like, I can't... What do you want me to do? Like, I'm not funny. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I'm just going to go away. But I think it's more of a social thing too, like, having not... Can't be around those environments. Yep. It's so much easier if you just kind of isolate a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And it's a good time. If you're not drinking, you might as well just, like, go and think about something or go read a book or something. Yeah. You know? There's no point going to the pub if you're not drinking. You didn't get to have your say in the film... Is there anything uh, that you want to where you, you want to set the record straight on? Uh, on the rage one that you did? Yeah, I don't think so. I think it was all pretty truthful. Toby definitely didn't want me on the team. Oh, you knew that? Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, Tobes, man. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote Sean Manor's contract? Did we all write it? I think yeah, we all I think put we all in, write it. I think we all put in something. I didn't write it. I didn't. I, I didn't ever agree agree to put him on the team at, at first. <laughs> Because he moved in with me and Creed when, we was, when he was like 15 or 16 or whatever, 16 probably. And then just, we were like his, his parents. And then I was just like, this dude's just like, he's kind of slipping a bit. He's just like maybe taking on too, like too many of our bad habits or whatever. And, but not coming through with the footage. <laughs> he, would, um, would he grill you for not surfing enough or something? Uh, so yeah, a bunch of trips I went on with him and I was just acting like a baby. And he's just like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, what are you doing? Because I just come in all upset and, he, and I wouldn't get a clip or something. He's like, it's not the end of the world, man. I just act like a baby. He taught me a lot. But also because I acted like that and when I first started in Rage, I was living in the back of the laundry and like Toads would just be like, don't come out for two hours. And I'd be like, what? And he was like, we're doing shit. And I, So I was there when it was all started. I took, you weren't part of it. I took all those photos of them and shit, but they were like, you're not part of it. And I was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> but that was also the fight. Like, to, thanks, Tobes, because what made you want to surf good? Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, I feel like you need, and I think that's partly what you guys have with Rage, is you need a little bit of um, structure almost when you're free surfing, because otherwise when you're out of the com- com- competitive scene, there's no, there's no boundaries. You guys no wake up every single day, you want. do whatever the fuck yeah, you want. Yeah. Of course you're going to yeah. uh, tend to, or it's so easy to tend to party so much. But For I feel sure. like the you guys have a, a team aspect to rage that they do. They don't really have, that doesn't exist in surfing. It exists in skate. Yeah, that's and, what I like about it. Yeah. yeah, and rage to me is the only team aspect in surfing that I know that I know of. And I feel like that gives you guys a little bit of a framework to push each other. For and, sure, and, yeah. 
support each other. Well, like no one, surfing's so selfish and like skating is selfish too, but you're seeing like all the skate clips I like, it's like they're all like cheering for their mate when mm. they do a good trick, you know? Mm. And like a lot of my youth with surfing, I'd do something good and people just talk it down or something. Not like I did anything crazy, but if I had a good surf, you know, oh, whatever, like, because people were just jealous or something. And I guess, I think in the back of everyone's mind, especially in Rage, no one wants Rage to be like that, you know? Everyone wanted, everyone, like, Creed does an air, will be cheering, you know, like, Bug does a big turn. Like, mm. you're cheering out the back because you're stoked for your friend and that's the complete opposite to competitive surfing in my eyes. You yeah, know? Like, that's true. And no one's claiming for themselves, you know? Yeah. And they're like, like, fuck yeah, Creed Oni's He's like, was it any good? I'm like, fuck yeah, man, that was psycho. And then he gets all jacked up. He's like, let's go. Like, you know, yeah, and you yeah, feed yeah. off each other. Yeah. And, and the other aspect you guys have in common is the music. Like you yeah. guys all play music and you wrote the, I mean, there's a chunk in the film about um, the fact that you guys made the entire soundtrack. You mm. punch it all out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, how, how much does that factor into you guys, I don't know, hanging out? Um, yeah, I, th- I think when I first moved over, I think Creed, Creed's always been into music. Yeah. Like when I was younger, he would like, I'd give him my iPod and he'd like put on, thousands of hardcore songs on there and then I'll just like, what, what sort of shit? Just everything, man. Like I can't even remember. Like the, just whatever he was listening to at the time, I'd just like be fed it. And I'd, but m- most of it when I was 14 was all hardcore. Like He was listening to like Ozzy Osbourne or like that yeah, sort of shit? Yeah, a bit of Ozzy Osbourne. Like, I don't know, just like he'd always been to obscure weird bands and, and the avant-garde kind of shit. Like, and then I kind of got my interest in... I just started watching heaps of music documentaries and I always loved music and I was like cool like I said before Noah gave me the confidence but I think everyone just likes the freedom of whatever the fuck they do you know and everyone likes music and once you realise you can just do whatever the fuck you want I guess Mm. everyone kind of just caught on to that you know doesn't really matter like someone's gonna like it and if they don't like it who cares like it makes me feel better and I know it makes Creed feel better when he makes a song or like it's just something to work towards it's fun yeah yeah that has no no one's no one's telling you what to do. As much yeah. as free surfing is free surfing, I'm still employed and like I have to do stuff. But like with music, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Can you talk to me about what happened with your transition from Billabong to Globe? Because I think it was I think it was about I think it was like ten weeks ago. You mm. you announced the that you were signed with Globe, yeah. And and that's where we all found, when we all found out about that. But then about it was about five weeks before that when you announced that you were leaving Billabong after ten yeah. years. What happened? Was it was it a? Did you know Globe was in the wings, or were you left yeah, in the wings for a little while there? And last year, I was living out of my car in Wollongong, and I caught up with Lowy, and he was like, "Yeah, Billabong, same contract again." And I was like, "Really?" I was like, "After Age Three, Blastoid, same contract." He goes, "Yeah," and I was like, "Well, fuck." So you're just gonna have to fucking sign it then. And I was like, "Let's fucking." I need some money. I need to live. You know, like I yeah. want to like have something to stand on at one point in my life but you know it was just the same as it was a two-year contract I think the same as I've had for three years same money same everything yeah same everything and I like I barely pulled fucking blastoid out of my ass I did it because I wasn't paying rent and then rage three was huge thanks to Kando because he just bought everything he bought my plane tickets everywhere you know like he paid for the filmers he got paid back in the end but like he he flowed me and then, I, you know, I want to do my own shit and I just was like, fuck, this isn't, this isn't good. And then, you know, I read the contract and there was a few, plot, few clauses in there that I was like, oh, we should probably, like, take these out because they, 
we don't need those in there and stuff. So we're just working between back and forth and then I think the contract was getting sent through back to me and Lowy was like, yo, Baron just called from Globe and they got something. I was like, sick. So we, yeah, a bit of discussion went back and forth and then like I guess um, Billabong were like, oh, yeah, we can jack up the price. And I, I get like I love everyone that works at Billabong and I get how business works and stuff. But well, the thing that kind of made my decision was the fact that Globe's going envir- environmental on it, which was like one thing that always puzzled me with doing the clothes and stuff about where are these clothes go and like what, how many of these clothes are they making and where are they coming from? And like I'm the face of this, like, I feel bad. And mm. I, just something I've always felt like that. So that was one of the things. But what really got to me was that that Billabong came back with like way more money and I was like, oh, so it was there. Like, but you just weren't giving yeah. it. You weren't giving it to me. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, they might listen to this and be like, "Oh, fuck, and he's ratting us out." But that's the truth. But that, yeah, yeah and that is like, you kind of will never get paid more money unless it comes down yeah, to bargaining. Yeah, for sure. Because people, yeah, just, they're going to try to get you as cheap as you yeah. can. And I just felt like undermined or something. I was yeah. like, I just didn't. So you guys don't respect me, and like, the team's so big, and it's it was such a sick team to ride for. I loved every minute of it, but. That, I just felt like I was on the back burner and I was getting used a lot and all that, that stuff. And I was like, they just don't, I was like, you know what? Fuck them. Like, they're going to miss me. Suck it. Like, you didn't treat me with enough respect to keep me. Well, yeah, that's yeah. like if they, that's the thing is they might be able to get away with paying you less, but it's a risk because like yeah. obviously once someone else comes along, you've got a distaste in your mouth about Fully, exactly. that. So, yeah. Yeah. And so then... Uh, I don't know, I guess you had to choose at yeah, that point no, between it got, Globe. It and got to the same point where the contracts are the same and I was just, I'm going Globe. Yeah, because I wanted a fresh start and they wanted a fresh face and um, I've always loved, I've always been envious of Dion's set. I'm not like, yeah, I've just always thought that he's on such a good one. I was like, mm. fuck, that's cool what he does in Globe scene. Fucking rad, I've always thought that. So when Baron, when I found out that they wanted me to ride full for him, I was pretty chuffed. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like it's a, it's a small little network, like, you know, as far as it's a big scale company, but like it's all so family based. Yeah. The Hill brothers are still there. They had to sign off on me getting signed. You know, they know about me and stuff. It's not like the board of directors over so-and-so like know about me, you know. Yeah. I'm still like, yeah, it would have been more of a number there, you know. Globe's got a huge team, but in terms of riders that are um, 100% Globe, you're mm. joining Dion, but you're also joining Taj. Taj which is, is crazy, yeah. I'm sure growing up in West Oz, yeah, he's icon. the biggest icon yeah. you could imagine. Yeah, for sure. You, you, you probably did Taj's... Um, yeah, I won them. Yeah. You won <laughs> <laughs> I won a couple. What are these comments called? Small Fries. Taj Small Fries. Taj yeah. Small Fries. You won a couple. I was the poster boy one year. Fucking yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah. I won the under-12s and under-14s and then... I, my last year in the under 16s, I got second. I was pretty, I was pretty sour about that. Yeah. Shit, but it was all right. Carrying around that yeah. bit of disappointment yeah, for the rest, yeah, of, for your the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess like the other thing about uh, joining the Globe team is you get to uh, you get to partner up with Joe G and, and yeah, that's and, cool. And make films with him. Yeah. So that's um, I don't know. That must be. That I'm must pretty be a huge excited part about it. Yeah, I'm super excited. I've been speaking to Joe a bit on emails, and they sound so. They're keen just to fire up some stuff. Like they just want, they'll just anything. You're ready to go. Like let's go. So that's where this whole sober thing is coming from. Yeah, right. Because I don't want to go. Like, you know, if someone's finally backing me and giving me this opportunity to do whatever I want, and I, I want to make sure I do it really well, mm. and I'm proud of it. I don't want it to be half off. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's good to dry out. Like you look at guys that don't drink. Guys like 
Nathan Fletcher, Kelly Slater, like the guy as people age, mm. you know, you realize like fuck. It doesn't that. help you. Yeah, yeah you like go. the people that don't drink actually Keep retain ripping. yeah, yeah, a lot of their fucking flexibility and their sure. agility and stuff. And I wanna I don't feel like I'm anywhere near as good as I can be ever. And I, like I feel like I'm gonna turn thirty five and that would be my peak, you know? And I want it to be my peak because I feel like I'll just I'm like, how old are you right now? Twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I want I wanna be still ripping when I'm forty. You know, I don't obviously don't want to be still going for airs when I'm forty or whatever, but like still wanna be getting pitted and I wanna I wanna feel confident and I wanna I'd probably just do more turns, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll try to do more turns when I'm older. But if you if you don't dry out and you just keep not looking after your body, you can't do that. Yeah. In, in, as much as you wanna think you can, you just you can't. Nah. Like even, you know, Dustin Dolan, like you can he partied his whole skate career and like, and still ripped, but now you know you're like, well, fuck, you're so far from what you used to be. Which is he's probably fine with it, but for what I want, I'll, I still want to be like my dad, who still rips. You know, yeah, you're like you know. So your dad's like, we talk about those tombstone sessions. He's out there yeah. those days with yeah. you paddling into paddling bombs, into and, bombs and, yeah. and and making them and 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 um, what well, your dad? So like your dad. He's a, he grew up like sponsored surfer, pro surfer, doing trips with guys like Matt Branson. Yeah. Uh, I know he's good mates with Hoy and, and that kind of like... A few surf trips of Kong and stuff. Kong, yeah. yeah. So like that generation yeah. of surfer. And then I've heard so many things about your dad. I've heard he's like a jiu-jitsu expert. I've heard he was a bikey. I've mm. also heard he's like a Christian. Like Yeah, that. yeah. All Is those he, are true. All those things. Yeah. He's like a pretty <laughs> fucking... Like, uh, he's, he really yeah. mixes it up. He is... He gets full in. He's just full, full on falls in love with it, whatever he does. Yeah, I think. And um, where he is now is definitely the best version of him for sure. Yeah, he's a good. He's he's always been a good father, but he's a really good man. Yeah, I mean, he's always been a good man too. But I yeah, imagine the he's amount really of, happy now. I imagine the amount of trips you've done with him sitting in the car all the way up north yeah. in in West Oz. Yeah. Like you probably. Like they're, they're kind of the best conversations you have on surf trips when you just, sure. you've just you've hit that breaking point of being in the car for so long and you you just start talking about weird shit. I'm sure you're, you've got like probably more of a friendship with him than a lot of people do with their parents. Yeah, well, we've got more of like a surf-based friendship. Like we'll just talk about boards. Well, I, there was a couple of years there we just talked about building a wave pool. We're like, fuck, the waves suck around here in winter. Like we can't find anything. And he's like, dad's like, well, fucking build a wave pool out the back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and we just talk about these crazy ideas. I remember that one thing. And we also talk about music a lot. He, influ- like, he influenced me. He played in a pretty crazy hardcore band. I don't even know if it's what you call it. It's like thrash hardcore in the late 80s, early 90s. And it's really quite brutal. And he always loved... Like um, bunch of he put me onto a bunch of punk bands when I was younger, so we'd always yeah, listen right. to that, and there'd be a trip down memory lane for him to put them on for me and stuff, and so yeah, we'd always we'd have heaps of good stuff to talk about. And he must be stoked in in, in where you're at at the moment. Yeah, yeah, he's always stoked for me. Yeah, he I don't, he never wasn't, and maybe at one point when he was just like, "What is this guy doing?" Like, but he knew that. He had to let me just be an idiot or whatever, you know. He's yeah. not like calling me up, going, "You're slacking." But he's definitely, he's definitely like proud. He's always proud, but he's just, I guess, he's just stoked that I went and done something for myself or whatever, yeah. you know. Like, oh, nice job. You know? you know what? In saying that, like we were talking about Noah at the start and how like self-assured he always was, and he kind of he's he always knew what he wanted and was opinionated. I kind of got like a similar vibe from you when you were younger. Like you mm. always seemed like. You didn't seem to be getting around like self-conscious. Like, where, where no. did that where did that come from? 
Mm, maybe from dad. Dad's always been the same figure for me. Like he's, I've never seen him wince out of a situation and I've never seen him like, I think I've seen him cry once, but that's because like there was a dead guy in front of him, you know. But this Holy is, fuck, what was that story? Some dude got bitten by a shark. Oh, he witnessed a shark attack? Well, me and my sister and him did, yeah. You saw it? Yeah. Yeah, when I was 14, 12. Where? At South Point, across the road from where the air was done. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was brutal. But like, is that like a is that like the huge piece of trauma in your life, or is it like you don't remember nah. it? Or how does like how does that? Um, yeah, it's super traumatizing. I think yeah, but I I just had to like put it in the back of my mind for like so many years now that I I, I just uh, I somehow dealt with it for yeah. sure. I don't know, it helped with my parents and stuff, but I had nightmares for so long that I was going to get done by a shark. Like, that's like that's. Uh, you know, like with the amount of shark attacks around recently, that's kind of everyone's fear. Everyone yeah, has that yeah, carrying, carrying sure. around that fear yeah. all the time. And then you actually probably have that multiplied by a million having seen it. Happen. Seen it, yeah. What um, happened? Um, just surfing. Me, my sister used to love surfing heaps too. She was eight at the time. I was 12 and it was, we always wake up early around six o'clock and we'll go for an early surf. This day was big, so we're in Gracetown and there's a little kiddies wave inside South Point called Huzzers. And um, my sister was out there getting pushed in by my dad for about half an hour and she got too cold. So she came in and dad and her were having breakfast watching me surf. And it was a nice offshore morning. There was one guy out South Point and I was like, well, South Point actually looks pretty fun. It's not completely flat, like fat today. And there's actually a couple of waves out there. And I, look, I remember looking at my watch and it was like quarter to eight. I was like, dad will be super pissed off if I paddle out there right now. Like, we got to get to school. He usually wouldn't mind if I was late but because we had Bridget with us. Like, he's like, Bridget can't be late for school and the waves aren't that good. So I was like, all right, I'm going in. Um, there was probably like five or six people surfing huzzers, that one dude out South Point, getting to the beach and walking up the, walking up the big stairs and my dad and my sister up the top. And I like look out. We're like, oh, how's this set coming? And we look out to the point. And this dude just like got launched in the sky. As soon as we all looked out there, it was like three people, my sister, my dad, another friend, and myself just were like, what the fuck was that? Like this dude just went flying, his board just went flying. And I was like, dad's like, that wasn't the wind. And he was like, fuck, I think that was like, I think that was a shark attack. And I was like, nah, like surely not. Like couldn't see anything once the wave disappeared. We're like, no, nah, like, there's no splashing going on or anything. He was like, stay here with your sister. I'm going to run up to the point and suss it out. And I think he already knew that it was a shark attack, but like he was just kind of playing dumb or whatever. And I called my mum and I was like, mum, I think there's a shark attack. She was at the hospital and she called the ambulance. Your mum yeah. works at the hospital? She's a nurse. She's a nurse. Yeah, and so she, got, she called the ambulance. So she might have not been working then, but she was like, I'll call them. But they already knew someone else already called. And so I was just standing there with my sister and um, one of my mates like, walked down he just like he's just chiller, like just an indigenous lad. He's such, he's such a cool dude. He surfs, like he got the coolest style. He, um, and I've just known him my whole life. And he just like walked down. And he's like, "What's up, man?" And I was like, "Oh, there's just been a um, shark attack, Bruce." And he was just like, "Fuck this shit! I'm going home and smoking bongs." He's like, "This this town's cursed." And like, like I guess that Grace Town is cursed, especially for the indigenous. Right. It's um, there's been a bunch of. Fuck shit happened there. No. Like the rocks that caved in on that school group. That yeah, was that, at Gracetown. That was at Gracetown, but that's all come. He he kind of told me one day that that's all come from the, all the murders that happened to the locals around there back right. in the back in the day. Yeah, they they I think they murdered like six hundred people on the point there. Uh-huh. The farmers did, the native people of the land, so that 
that he said that it's always been cursed since then. Hmm. And that's why the, the cliff fall down and, like, I know there's a bunch of other shit that's happened in that town. Anyway, so he was just like, fuck this town. I'm going home and smoking bongs. And I was like, whoa, like, this is kind of serious. And I was like, Bridget, stay here. I'm going to run up and check on Dad because something I wanted to go have a look. Or I wanted to see what was happening. So I ran up there and I got like my dad. I don't even know if my dad knows that I went up there, but I was like 20 metres away from Dad and he was just like on his hands and knees in front of this dude. And I guess the dude had swam to the rocks and my dad found him face down in the rock pool, drowned in his own blood oh my God. with no legs. And he pulled him out and like tried to resuscitate him and then Dad just like fucking freaked out and this other dude was walking with his wife and he, they took over resuscitating him and dad was just oh, that's the only time i seen my dad just fully dismantled he was just like a bowl on the ground he said he couldn't he couldn't do anything he was just like what the fuck because i guess because his kids are out there like mm. me and my sister are out there and he was just like everything was just going through his head yeah must so, have, yeah it must have been such a fucking <clears throat> I don't know, just an impossible moment to, to, to fathom, fathom, you know? And there hadn't been a shark attack in 15 years too. Really? And so, like, we, everyone had forgot about them, yeah. And then, that, yeah, and then it just happened and we were just like, whoa, what the fuck? Man, I've never, I don't know if I've ever spoken to anyone that's, like, witnessed a shark attack, you it's know? A weird thing, yeah. And then I guess that was just, like, a, a long road from there as yeah. to, to trying to we just not didn't, think about it. We just didn't go surfing that much for the next month or two my sister stopped surfing she didn't really surf after that and she not that she really cares but she was such a little ripper I mean, really she, she was better than me like dad was like she has a better style than you <laughs> and she's more she's like more talented but anyway she obviously she was like eight and she's like i'm not fucking with sharks but i was already too far gone i was like i want to be like i want to be a pro surfer yeah okay, so i was back surfing pretty quick but i never really got like that scared I'd have nightmares out in the surf. I always felt safe. Actually, and that's a lie. I'd get super scared when I was older, a young, around that time, yeah, for and, a while. And nowadays, does it flare yeah, up? certain places for sure. Certain feelings. You, uh, you spend yeah. a lot of time like bouncing so, around in the desert yeah, in these so isolated spots. Isolated so. waves, yeah. I've had, last year I had a real freaky time with me and another person surfing this wave. It was just fucking sucked. But like it was pumping and I was just like, we're going to get done. Is I feel it too. But I don't know. I think most of the time you build it in your head. And if you get, like, my, my dad gives me some confidence. In, I guess he's got confidence in himself. He's, I know where I'm going. You know, I don't care if I die. Yeah. <laughs> you know? what, what do you think happens to us when we die? Um, I've got such a like weird belief because obviously, been taught religion. I went to a Catholic school when I was in primary school. And then I, I just went to a normal school. And I've always had open ears to everything. But I guess like there's something that happens to you when you when it's engraved in you from a little kid. You know, you have this that like, weird like conscious conscience that comes from like being told what's right or wrong from your parents or from religion and stuff. So yeah. I guess there's some sort of belief of where you go after it. But I don't necessarily know or really care about it right now. I don't. It's not something I think about. Yeah. But there's definitely like stuff engraved in me that I can't get rid of. Certain ways of living and like. I definitely know. Catholic guilt. Is Catholic, what it's yeah, that's what it's called. Man, Catholic guilt. I'm riddled with that yeah, shit. Yeah, it's riddled. And then maybe it's a real thing. Maybe there's a reason why we feel like that. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way they want us to feel. I don't know. But I definitely know that like worshipping demonic things isn't cool. Like, yeah. As far as that, like I was, that's one thing I've taken from it. Like I don't think like repping 
triple six on your jumper or like on your Instagram is cool because that's because if you're believing in that, that's just associated with like the grossest shit ever. You know, like that if that's what you're like, yeah, like I'll praise this, then it's got a direct relation to all this really fucked up shit. You know? Yeah. So I don't find that cool, but I also don't think like I'm gonna go put praise the Lord in my, in my bio either. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Stay away from it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I don't know what happens. Or yeah. I don't particularly um, care to pretend it's, to know. Yeah, I think if you just live, if, you, if you're happy with your life at the end of it and you've still got your memory, then that's a pretty good win. Yeah. yeah, yeah. that's the only thing I'm concerned about is losing my mind. Yeah, that's maybe. a scary thing. Yeah. Because yeah. that's all we are, it's memories. Mm. But who knows, like, maybe losing your mind's fucking fun as fuck. Yeah. Maybe losing your mind's fucking fun as fuck. Yeah. Maybe losing your mind's maybe losing your mind's fucking fun as fuck. Thank you, Chun. Please check out the Rage website where they're currently selling a limited edition vinyl of the music that we talked about. In the interview, it's the soundtrack for Rage 3, their latest surf film. Also check out uh, Blood, Sweat and Beers, which is playing on Stab Premium. All these links will be in the episode description. And also please rate and review the Stab Podcast wherever you listen. We'll be sending out some Stab Premium memberships for the best reviews. So if you do take the time to do it, please take a screenshot and email it to me at danny at stabmag.com. Thanks for listening and I will see you next week. Is that it? I think that might be it, yeah. The end. Slicey pee. <laughs> Slicey pee. <laughs> Slicey pee. Slicey pee. Alright, that's fucking right. Yeah, so just get that and then cut it down into like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And then fucking cut all that crap that we just talked. <laughs> Thank you. I felt like I sounded like an idiot. Yeah, I sound like a fuckwit for sure.